0: The Huskies Warming House podcast is also brought to you by The SodaPod, home of MNCAA College Hockey News and more. Stay wild and up to date with new episodes throughout every week. Find them on Apple Podcasts, YouTube, and other podcast platforms. And welcome in the Huskies Warming House podcast, episode 179. Nick Max and Noah Grant here for another week in the den. And Nick, what a week it is. This is finally it. It is game week for some St. Cloud State hockey here. Women's hockey on the docket. Nick, I cannot wait. It's going to be absolutely awesome. Oddly enough, though, um, we are previewing a women's hockey team, but it is not the St. Cloud State women's hockey team. Whoops. It is, yeah, it is who we have at number one in the conference. So definitely look out for this group. But we're going to start, of course, uh, with talking about St. Cloud. They get their first exhibition games under their belt. We can't wait for them to get rocking and rolling, Nick. And I don't think any more needs to be said. We can't wait to talk about it. So without further ado, centerize few news and notes presented by HuskiesIllustrated.com and The Soda Pod center ice view news and notes center ice view provides you with the best coverage of st cloud state huskies hockey from game notes recaps photos and more go to centericeview.com Episode 179, Noah Grant alongside Nick Maxon here in the den. And Nick, like we said, starting on the women's side pretty much for the whole show, basically. But we'll start on the St. Cloud Granite City side of things here before we go cross-country for the number one team that we have placed in the WCHA. This St. Cloud State Huskies team gets their first hates of action against Union College, Nick. Now, it used to be the Union College Dutchman. It's not anymore. It's the Garnet Chargers, the new nickname, which Nick said pre-show is that's a mouthful.
1: That's well, it is. It's just and honestly, like it's not striking a fear in the eyes of the opponent. Just I don't know. Like Yeah, is there is there
0: a number of letters or syllables before a name becomes less threatening? I, there
1: probably is, honestly. <laughs> um you know if it's if it's not I don't know short and sweet's you know the right way to describe it, but if you have to take like <laughs> almost like a full sentence to Talk about the mascot—it's just too long, and I don't know. Like, I don't even. What is a is a garnet charger like? What is that? That's what I want to know. Like, is it a yeah. lightning bolt? What the heck is this thing?
0: Yeah, I'm not really sure, and I don't. I, I was trying to figure out too. I suppose we could have done more research, but that would be that would be silly, right? Um, very curious why like dutchman didn't feel so. I mean, they used to kind of be called the Garnet and the Dutchman, so it kind of used to be interchangeable. But then, wouldn't you think they would be the Garnet Dutchmen then instead of the Garnet Chargers? You know, like when you're. Right?
1: That Susie Logic, you know what? That does not have a place on this podcast. So knock it off. <laughs> you know what does have a place, though,
0: is their women's hockey team is challenging St. Cloud. <laughs> At the Herbrooks National Hockey Center, September 23rd, this upcoming Saturday, 3 p.m. Central time. And then on Sunday, of course, uh, 1 p.m. Central time on the 24th. So your first hockey action, the women will be off the week after and then play the 6th and 7th against Mercyhurst. So they'll have a week to kind of debrief and figure things out and and get things ready. This will be an interesting matchup. East Coast, West Coast, so to speak. See how the WCHA fares against Union, which, um, you know, is... Maybe not the strongest team, but certainly will prove to be an interesting test, especially for a lot of these incoming players for St. Cloud. We won't give away too much about the group because the next time that we talk about the women's program, we will be previewing the St. Cloud State women's hockey team in full in a couple of weeks. But uh, Nick, I mean, when you get ready for an exhibition game, especially for some freshmen, even some returning players, it's against an opponent that, again, like we said, is non-conference. They're coming across the country. You're in your own building. What do you expect out of the weekend? And if you're head coach, Brian Idolsky, what are your
1: expectations? What are you trying to
0: get out of the weekend?
1: You're doing an evaluation, right? Because, you know, let's not forget that this uh, St. Cloud women's team had a bunch of turnover this past offseason, right? Uh, a lot of freshmen that are coming in, a lot of transfers. So you're looking to see where folks are at in terms of, you know, as the X's and O's really, um, you know, what are the defensive pairings? What's that chemistry looking like? Um, especially for Idolsky, his expectations, right, is... Of course, defense first, right? That's what got him the 18 wins last season. Again, tied a, um, a club record for most wins in a season. Um, and uh, honestly, no, I know that. We've hyped this up in different seasons in the past, but your non-conference schedule sets the tone, right? So you're looking to see who's got the jump, you know, or ladies going in, you know, are they for checking in the right systems? Are they being in the right spots without the puck, right? So it's those little details from a coaching perspective that you're watching. And for the athletes, right, is, you know, how much do you want it, right? Are you skating like this is? essentially, you know, a WCHA playoff game. He wants to see the effort. He wants to see the commitment to the defensive side of the puck. So you got to go out there and give it 110% with Idelski every single shift. As we saw last year, he was not afraid to mix things up game to game, as well as in the middle of the game. So if you're not going to show the fire on the ice, he can certainly warm the bench if you're with Brian Iudalski, which is a good thing. Again, a big reason why we saw some of that turnover as well as we saw a big jump in the wins margin, which 18 over uh, the previous three, I believe it was a combined 19 or 20 wins. So, I mean, to think about it, you know, what he's doing is working and you want to see that trend continue upwards from the end of last year.
0: Yeah, certainly would agree. And obviously, like we said, the 23rd and 24th, Saturday, Sunday, they play Uh, just a friendly reminder, by the way. So October 3rd, uh, a week from that following Tuesday, um, that's when we'll preview the St. Close State women's team. I mentioned Tuesday because on the 26th, the upcoming following week here. We'll be recapping uh the women's games from this upcoming weekend, and also we'll be moving our show recordings and recaps to Tuesdays from here on out. So now that we're live into the season, Tuesday releases are what you're going to be seeing. We don't really want to try to go any later than that, but have to give us some time with work schedules and time to kind of debrief the weekends as well too. So yeah, this women's program, Nick, very excited to see what they can bring to the table because I mean they're a group that we've been excited about a little bit of roster turnover, but uh, a lot of exciting things to have um be looking forward to, especially with this freshman group, hopefully going to make, uh, make some noise here and see how they fill the void essentially in their first time in the Cardinal red and black. I mean, it's very exciting. Anything else you want to add about the women's program here getting ready for union?
1: Yeah. I want to see really what the offensive side of the puck looks like. Brian Idolski through the freshman class, as well as the transfer portal picked up a lot of good offensive skill with this program. We've talked about it last year too, that the defensive side, was there. Right now, it's can you add a little bit more of that counter punch, a little bit more of that offensive skill set to put the puck more in the back of the net? I think there is a really good chance that with some of these freshmen and definitely these transfers, there's an opportunity to see a spike in goal scoring. So I'm really excited to see how the offensive side morphs this year while maintaining that consistent, steadfast defensive positioning that they are known for under Idolski. Absolutely. Lots to
0: debrief upcoming next week here, where we get our first taste of St. Cloud state women's hockey action. If you're in the granite city, go to the games. Absolutely. Definitely. Yes. Fill the seats at the Herbrooks national hockey center. Huskies hockey is officially back this week. A big test for the women's program on the St. Cloud side that they will be facing coming up here as well uh, is the team that we have picked to finish first in the WCHA. Our final WCHA preview not involving the Huskies coming from OSU Ice Arena that seats just under 1,500. It is the Ohio State Buckeyes who topped the WCHA last season with 70 points, two points ahead of the Minnesota Golden Gophers and a full 10 points shy of the Wisconsin Badgers who, ironically enough, found success against the Buckeyes when it mattered most in the final game of the season last year. Uh, Nick, recapping last season, statistically, regardless of the results and the frustration, this Ohio State team had a very, very good year last year.
1: They really did. Uh, As you mentioned, finished first in the WCHA with 70 points. Uh, Gophers were right on the tail at 68 before. It dropped off a little bit, but they were essentially the big team in the regular season. Again, finishing first. Um, How about this for a record, Noah? 33-6-2 overall. Um, If you thought that was impressive, how about this? 23-4-1 in the WCHA. Again, regarded as the best conference in women's hockey. Um, you could not beat this team at home. In fact, 16, one and two at home, 15 and four away, which is still pretty darn good. Uh, neutral ice uh, two and one uh, non-conference was essentially a, uh, a, they didn't lose the game. They were five 0 one. So they had a bit of a tie there. Uh, and again, the only really big loss that they have was to Wisconsin, one to nothing in the national championship game. Um, so that was big. And then of course, against our St. Close Huskies, um, uh, how about this? The Huskies did get one away from him, right? Four and one against St. Cloud. Uh, so, But at the end of the day, um, this Ohio State team, very, very, very good. I didn't up that. St. Cloud definitely got swept by Ohio State. I was going to say that. Say. Although, I will so say... I you're doing here. Caleb Peabody G- G- would be very happy with you making me look like a freaking idiot. So, Although, yes. well, some would say you do it naturally, but... It- Anyhow, I digress.
0: January twenty first, the Huskies uh, did get a point though, an overtime loss, three to two, um, for the Huskies against Ohio State last season. Now, just the O in the middle of. Okay, got it. You know, here's 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 what I'm saying. (laughs) Trivia question here for you, Nick. Who is the only team to beat Ohio State at home last season? Who do you think it was? Ooh, was it Duluth? It was not Duluth. It was the Minnesota Golden Gophers, October 28th. They, were- uh, they yeah, they <laughs> lose 4-2, to two, and then they beat the Gophers 5-4 in a shootout the following night. So a great weekend of hockey in the WCHA, as they usually are. But, of course, those top-end teams tend to bring the heat. But like you said, um, I mean, this was a group that started off red hot, and they never really looked back. And, in fact, even their hiccups were few and far between. Um, oddly enough, though, Late November, a 4-4 tie against Colgate in a non-conference matchup, which was something to to bring surprise. Duluth, the Bulldogs, you are correct, though, in assuming they did actually beat Ohio State 5-4 in overtime at the start of December. Actually, on my birthday, December 3rd. Um, and then February... I I don't, you know what, when I was younger, I was excited about birthdays. And now after I turned 22, and now I'm almost 27. I, I could let's go backwards in time with that one, I think. Um, God, that's your attitude now. Wait till you get to my spot. That's what I hear. And I'm, (laughs) and and I'm a nurse. So I feel like things are going to get more jaded as we go very quickly here. Um, Um. (laughs) But you go a a full two months later, Minnesota beats them again, uh, four to two and they lose to Wisconsin six, five in overtime in the month of February. And then they don't lose again until essentially uh, the WCHA um, championship three to one against the Gophers. And they come back, great success in the national tournament and a one-nothing loss in the national championship game to Wisconsin. But other than that, Nick, victories all across the board. I mean, they started their season, let's see, what would it be? Two, four, six, an eight-game win streak. And then after they had their little bit of a hiccup, they win four, they tie, and then they win two more. A loss there, but then they win. Oh my goodness, two, four, six, eight, ten games in a row before their next loss, Nick, win another three drop one to Wisconsin in overtime, win another four before their loss in the WCHA championship, and then win two more in route to a national championship game. I mean, that is a successful season. And I think that what's interesting about this, Nick, and we'll get to this, this team
1: only got better over the offseason, which is a lot better, actually. Terrifying. On, on papers. Holy cow! Yeah, it's it's one of those deals where you know when you've got a program, and we talked about this in Wisconsin too, right? Where you've got a coaching staff that you know uh, the athletes want to play for. You're clearly showing that you have a model of success, and you're getting to you know the ultimate prize, right? You had a national championship game. Yes, you fell short, one nothing, but that's a close game. Um, you want you're going to attract players that are freshmen, you're going to attract transfers. And at the end of the day, you can kind of get to pick and choose who you want to come on board. Right. So they're in a really good spot. And we'll, we'll touch on the roster. Uh, some of the uh, subtractions, of course, that you was know, uh, with Kalachaki, every have years, a bit of an upheaval, you know, some more than others. But uh, as we mentioned, as we're going to, we're going to touch on later, what they did get in return this year versus the transfer portal and the freshman group is just downright nasty
0: yeah definitely is now the challenge for us here by the way uh, normally we're able to view uh, essentially the upcoming roster for the season and be able to kind of anticipate so for the thing with this Buckeyes group is there's a lot of seniors that are moving into either graduation or their graduate season so it's kind of hard for us to tell who's going to be staying and who's not because their website is actually down same with talking about the coaching staff so we weren't able to get any additional information at this time uh nadine museral in her seventh season uh 157 67 and 19 for a 685 uh winning percentage head coaching wise but other than that unable to add any additional information, Nick. So why don't we talk about those individual leaders, by the way, a lot of seniors, like we said, dotting this group, uh, top four seniors. Yeah. Um, I mean, you're talking point ranges anywhere from the forties into the high fifties, certainly yeah. a very successful season.
1: Yeah. It all starts with Jennifer Gardner, right? Uh, 21 goals, 36 assists, 57 points in 41 games. though. that's just ridiculous. One point, for uh, basically 1.4 points per game, Um, 131 shots on net. I mean, you talk about someone that's driving the offensive, you know, essentially force for the Buckeyes. She was a big part of that. So was uh, the person right below her, Sophie Jocks, um, a defenseman, by the way, 24 goals, which led the Buckeyes in that category, 24 assists, another 48 points. Uh, How about this? 241 shots from a defenseman. (laughs) Uh, which also led the club in that department, right? Um, again, to the next two more seniors, right before you dip into a sophomore, uh, uh, McKenna Webster, who also had 39 points in 31 games, mind you. Uh, so uh, what we're seeing here is, again, these top yeah. uh, top ladies, about a point per game or or better throughout the season. So the the question that we have then, too, is, you know, uh, who can replicate these numbers, right? And um, we'll, we'll talk on the additions. We think there's going to be some that might. Uh, but also with the COVID years, right, some of the things and questions that we have is, yeah, you know, are some of these ladies taking a fifth-year option, moving into our graduate year, right? Those are some of the questions we simply just don't have the, the right answers yet. But uh, either way, you know, let's just say that all of them still are just done with hockey. Um, what they have coming in and is just, again, going to yeah. be...
0: Yeah, certainly, as in Nadine Muzeral, of course, the former uh, Minnesota standout, by the way, will have them prepared and ready. You know what's also interesting, too, if my math serves me correct, which generally it doesn't, so take it with a grain of salt, I believe this is this is our last upcoming group of COVID-eligible groups, if it I'm is, not mistaken. Yes. Yeah, because yeah. this is uh, like the senior year on the Husky side for like Vieti Miettinen and stuff, and he was part of that first group in the bubble. So, um, yeah, but I mean, you talk about this group as a whole, what they're trying to replace, right? Um very exceptional uh think about this nick when tied after periods one or period two they were nine and oh collectively so even if you had them deadlocked they were finding victories 24 and one and 28 one and one when leading after the first and second respectively that's uh pretty darn good uh and when trailing they were able to still find five victories across the total contest as well um power play clicking just under 33 percent um <laughs> that's pretty good 34 for 104 and a pk that's just at 83 percent to boot you know if you didn't want to add insult to injury the thing that surprises me nick outscoring their opponents uh basically 169 to 71 so i mean almost 100 is the differential good lord now if that didn't now if that didn't seem scary enough um how about this just so i can get the math correct here um Be careful their shot differential was 850 to put that in perspective their opponents had 860 shots so their opponents had 10 more shots than the differential <laughs> that yeah. they added so talk about almost doubling up on shots Seventeen ten to 860 4.12 goals per game compared to 1.73 against nick do you think this team probably was able to produce 10-3 and three in one goal contest. We know how the last one in the season ended. I mean, this is a team, and we had the conversation that I picked Ohio State to go all the way. They lose one nothing in the national championship game, and we kind of had the banter about Wisconsin, how we should have picked them, you know, that sort of thing. And, and you know, you, you, had, you had talked about it. I mean, there was certainly an argument to say that this Ohio State team was an absolute wagon, and if they continue oh, yeah. rolling down the hill, I mean – it certainly was going to be impressive. I mean, anything else you pull out from their team statistics? Because, I mean, this is a slate that I'm just going to tell people right now. This is about as good as it gets. They gave up an average of 22 to 24 goals across the first, second, and third period combined. And they scored at minimum 52, 51, and 63 goals respectively. Like, if you got this team to overtime, which their
1: goal differential was 3 to 2, like, you were pretty lucky. Yeah, but it also shows a little bit of a roadmap um, on maybe what their weakness is. You talked about the penalty kill, only 82.8%. Uh, that's not the worst we've seen for sure, but it's also not the strongest, right? Um, and in one goal games, you know, 10 and 3, it's still pretty good. So let's look at some of the things that like you said they trail, right? So when they led, twenty-four and one after one, after two, twenty-eight one and one, you know, basically unbeatable. And then when they trailed, they didn't trail often. But when they did, there was a chance there, right? There were two five and one when they trailed after two, and then three six of one when they trailed after one. So. It mimics another team that we talked about with this. That was the Gophers, right? Which is, you know, these teams that are powerhouse offensive teams, they like to play with the lead. They like to get out a quick strike, maybe one, two, three goal lead. It's not that they sit back, but they then are just in cruise control, right? Uh, If you can sort of limit the first period attack by these teams, you give yourself a chance, right? Again, you know, they didn't trail off him, but those numbers aren't necessarily fantastic in terms of the wins and loss columns right in those situations. And it's almost like if your specialty teams, especially in the power play, if you can get them almost frustrated, there was an opportunity to get something behind them because their penalty kill, again, not not the worst, but also maybe not the strongest as well. So it, it it may be with those, you know, low scoring games in the game when you've got teams that can skate, these two teams can skate like a bat out of hell, right? Between Wisconsin and Ohio State, you know, it, it shows you how these teams love that open ice. And when you take it away from them, it's tough on them. And even when we talk about how good the WCHA is, the one reminder that I think you and I will be on the same page is you have a top four, maybe top five this year, a.k.a. St. Cloud. But then there's a little bit of a gap, right, between six, seven, and eight. And with that gap, at the, you know, the, shall we say, the offensive paralysis is pretty remarkably different. So you do kind of wonder with You know, playoff come time and and some of these we talked about before it comes down to coaching. Ohio State's got plenty of talent, but there is an argument to be made there with these teams at the top that if you can keep them close and keep them frustrated, they just seem to prey on that dominant factor if they don't have it you can almost sort of catch them off guard. And St. Cloud did it a couple of times against other opponents in this conference.
0: Well, like we had kind of had the conversation with some of these top teams too, is they don't play in tight games necessarily all that often because of their dominance. So when you get them matched up against each other, or you have the surprise in recent years that Duluth on the women's program has, and suddenly they're become a force and a surge to be reckoned with. Suddenly then when you're, you win games seven, nothing, seven, one, and then you're thrust into a three, three hockey game after two, you know, things get a little bit more challenging, although they were unbeaten when they were tied after two. So maybe not the greatest stat, you know, but I mean, you know, if they're trailing by one, sometimes they weren't able to find that crucial goal. I mean, go back to the national championship game. I mean, you gotta score a goal to win a hockey game. You can't lose yeah. a game one-nothing. And like I said, Wisconsin, a very great great program, very great team. Mark Johnson, well coached, obviously, in very terms of what they what they bring to the table, but you gotta find a way. You gotta find a way to execute. You can't have your top scorer have almost 60 points in the season, and then you can't find the basket once in the national championship game. I mean, that's just that's kind of just how it goes. I, I totally agree right. with you. And you know, it again, it, it just lens of the question too is we've talked about how important like for example goaltending is in the WCHA and it is important because it can win you a national championship or as we've seen in St. Cloud's case in recent years with Sonia Hola, Jojo Chobak Emma Peluzny, um, you know, Janine Alder like when you have good goaltenders they'll keep you in hockey games but at some point you got to realize the goaltender can't put a puck in the net you know like at some point the goal scorer has got to do what they do.
1: And some of that, Noah, is trying to be too cute, right? Because when you get some of this skill, and these two teams have got high skill, right? Ohio State has got, arguably on paper, the most skill in this conference, a big reason why we have them at number one. But sometimes in a championship game, right, you try to do a little bit too much. Maybe you make an extra pass. When in reality, we saw this on the St. Club men's side, right? It was the simple, greasy, the grease pan goals, right? And sometimes that's what it takes is that you have to almost when games are tight and it, it's you're never going to make the perfect passing play because these two teams also defend really well. They watch tape, right? They understand your tendencies. And so sometimes it's just as simple as getting the puck through from the blue line, but then also be willing to get into that derriere and fighting and battling for a rebound, taking the vision away from a goaltender, right? It's not always pretty when it goes into the playoffs. And sometimes that's the difference is, you know, can we get away? I shouldn't say get away, but can we take advantage of what's there versus trying to force what our game plan, I know it's made us successful, but if if we're not being allowed to do that, you know, can we adjust and can we just simplify things and then just do simple hockey, but maybe it's a little bit more of a gritty type, Effort versus a skill-based effort. I think that's the difference between yeah. maybe somebody squads up top.
0: Well, and we've talked about it at the National Hockey League level too is some of these goal scorers, especially these guys in the NHL who are shooting 90, 95 miles an hour, they get these pucks down below the tops of the circles inside the dots, and they're they're trying to make that extra pass. And sometimes it's like, put a puck on net. You know, you're in a scoring area, you're in a high percentage area. And I think, you know, getting goal scorers to become naturally adept at being willing to be a little bit selfish sometimes, putting pucks on net, turning around and shooting from awkward angles, things that catch goaltenders by surprise through screens in high-scoring areas. I think or that's...
1: Yeah. A pop play, right? A pass off the pad, right? You go far, pad, low, there's always going to yeah. be a rebound there. And to your point, right, you know, as a shooter mentality, right, you're always looking... You're trying to beat the goaltender, right? But sometimes you forget. You get that puck off quick. Sometimes a surprise... Yeah, maybe you don't score, but maybe the goaltender has to react late and it's off the glove. There's still a loose change in front of the, uh, the blue paint there those are the type of situations that you have to almost anticipate, especially players without the puck, right? In those in those situations to be able to get down, have strong hands, put some weight in your stick and whether it's to either force a couple of jabs through the goal tendings pads or maybe you do find a way to kick it out to the one side or the other to an open uh, wh- uh, line mate out there too. So sometimes it's and just it's a simple little uh, heads up place. And, and it doesn't even have to be, you don't even have to necessarily touch the puck be around the neck, create like,
0: havoc, draw a defender to you, create a screen, think Things that just like if you want to be a goal scorer, you got to go to where goals are scored. The middle of the ice, down near the paint, you've got to create those opportunities. And let me tell you this: if you're Ohio State, who I would imagine has got a bitter taste in their mouth, having such great success and not getting it done in the in, in the ultimate game, when you lose a game one to nothing, you best believe that those games are won and lost by that grit. Goals in those type of hockey games are scored just like that second and third chance opportunities, shots through screen. They're ugly. They're not pretty goals, but they all look the same on the score sheet. Speaking of score sheets, Nick, by the way, we've got three forwards and two defensemen that are headed on their way out from Ohio State. So why don't we start there? Uh, Five ladies who will not be returning next season.
1: Yeah, Emerson Jarvis was a a freshman forward, uh, played in 20 games, had three points. Um, Gally Levy, another freshman forward, just played in five. So uh, got one single assist. Uh, Jamie Grinder, a sophomore, just played in two games, had two assists. So it was a point per game player, respectively. Uh, Sidney Moreau, a freshman. Uh, defender. She played 34 games, so played a good majority of the season, uh, had eight points, three, five and eight. So more of a shutdown role. But uh, as we will talk about more in depth with Ohio State, this is not really the, the role or the fit that they want of the defenseman. Right. They want a little bit more, uh, shall we say, two way, a little bit more offensive punch to their game. And is it Elena uh, Giambreto or Pietro? Gian Petro. Yeah. Gian Petro. Yeah. So, uh, didn't play a game for Ohio state. So she moves on, uh, not yeah, quite sure. If she yeah. She, there, but- she's,
0: she's headed to Robert Morris. Uh, yeah. okay. uh, Sydney Morrow is headed to Colgate. Jamie Grinders headed to Maine and then Brown and Quinnipiac respectively for Levy and Jarvis. So, okay. um, but yeah, Nick, we've talked about, we've talked about this as well down the line, you know, they add Boston college's leading scorer and a former team USA participant Yep. Former former team USA Olympian, two UA team players for Canada and team USA. Oh, and then, you know, probably the best player in recent years for Mankato, by the way, and a Quinnipiac standout that notched over 40 points. I would say the additions, um, and we haven't even gotten to the freshman, but I would say nice. the the additions in the transfer portal, Nick. Uh you've got uh, four graduate players soon to be, and then two seniors on the bottom of that list. I'd say things are working out pretty, pretty well.
1: Uh, I would say so. So let's do a real quick recap, right? Hannah Bilko coming from Boston College, 41 points, right? 12 goals, 29 assists as a forward. Kayla Barnes, also coming over from the Eagles, uh, played 36 games, 19 points. A little bit more, shall we say, offense to her game. Uh, Steph Markowski, if you want to talk offense from the blue line, 32 points with nine goals, 23 assists for Clarkson. And then, as you mentioned, Kelsey King, who I've had a chance to call a couple of games uh, with her at Saint Cloud against Minnesota State, 19 points, but 14 goals, which is third best on this list for coming from the transfer portal, Noah. And then uh, speaking of this, how about Kiara Zanin? No, not Greg Zanin. No, not that. Um, (laughs) This is a forward. Uh, How about this? 26 goals, 23 assists for 49 points coming from the Nittany Lions of Penn State. That's a really nice ad. And then Olivia Mobley coming over from Quinnipiac, as you mentioned, 43 points to boot with 15 goals as a forward coming into her senior season. So, uh, wait, was there not more firepower that we were talking? No, I'm kidding. <laughs> uh, that's crazy. Um, so. And again, you, you and you kind of wonder too, as you mentioned, that after that loss, one nothing, that you know, it's. It, it, I almost get the sense, and this is obviously being, uh, you know, joking. Or say just in case any Ohio State women are or listening, especially the coaching staff. You kind of wonder if that zero, that like, goose egg, up on the national champions, like we need more. It's like we need more. I forget the movie reference that is. <laughs> um, oh, it's the Matrix. The the second- yeah. yeah. Like more, this is more. They they want more offense. Well, they're getting it from the transfer uh, transfer portal additions. And no, we're not even hitting the freshmen yet. And let's just say their accolades are not far off from what these women are.
0: Yeah, certainly not. And I mean, when you're adding, first of all, is starting with Joy Dunn, Jinsey Dunn's sister? By the way, I mean that's not too shabby. You know the pedigree that's going to be coming through there. Um, obviously not hard to find statistics on elite prospects, but again, I I think you know that's just uh, again a pedigree that speaks for the itself. Apple doesn't
1: fall far from the tree, right? So yeah,
0: definitely doesn't uh, gold medalist. You know, World Juniors type thing. Uh, another forward in Delaney Fleming, 110 points and 143 contests for Shattuck Saint Mary for her. By the way um so that's some great production and you know not not the biggest uh, player you know at five foot four but certainly again we talked about those water bug players that able are able to find those areas again we've talked about that how that adjustment needs to be made now at the division one level you have players that have to be able to find that nose for the net have to be comfortable there's some tall defensemen in the WCHA that you have to be able to handle uh forward jordan baxter uh Her and Jocelyn Amos, the fourth player on this list, both forwards who are both on uh, the U18 World Junior teams for Canada, a couple of uh, medals for them. Uh, Jordan Baxter, a point-per-game player at Delta Hockey Academy prep, by the way, um, and then 85 points in 61 contests in the OWHL for Jocelyn Amos. So, I mean, you look at a couple of players, um, and by the way, just to clarify um, for Jordan Baxter, flipping back to her, um, in terms of that production, 80 points in 59 games, 52 of those goals. So, I mean, you're you're absolutely right. Talking about players that are able to bring that offensive punch, that offensive production, I mean, I, I think it speaks volumes here. I, I, and, I, again, I think goaltending is one of the most pivotal positions when it comes to the WCHA, and certainly Ohio State has great goaltending too. But at some point, if you're going to be a team that's going to match pound for pound in the WCHA, you cannot be afraid to have high punch offensive talents, players who are game breakers, who can turn a game on its head at any moment. I think all of these gals, I mean, when you're talking even about the transfer portal and I mean, you can talk about the, you know, the strength of Clarkson Penn state Quinnipiac where you have a defenseman with 32 points and then 49 and 43 on the forward side. When, theoretically point production wise kelsey king is your quote-unquote weakest addition i mean kelsey king was a standout player for mankato um, and brought some really great offense and is if anything a great middle six player for that program maybe a third liner if things shake out in terms of production i mean this group regardless of how many seniors they lose they're going to be returning some there's no way they're not the freshmen are going to be great additions um and then as we talked about i mean you have you have uh the goaltending to boot i mean you have you have two senior goaltenders and a junior goaltender had a 961 914 and 912 respectively gaa's of .6 1.81 and 2.03 you know that's pretty good. <laughs> things are looking up. And for me, what I what I garner here, and again, there could be more additions or transfer things that we're missing here. Uh, but like I said, two seniors and a junior, I got to imagine at least one of those seniors is coming back. And the junior, Amanda Thiel, played in 26 contests, the most out of any netminder. So, I mean, if your GAA is under two, you have a save percentage of a 914. And, I mean, you allowed only 46 goals across 26 contests. I mean add that with the firepower they're getting, Nick, I would say there's a reason we have this team at number one. There's no doubt about it.
1: No question. And, you know, we the offensive side of the punch is something we focus on because again, that seems to be where this team is being built around is the offensive punch, you know, the speed and the skill set. But remind us to that over the past what, 10 years, no one, that the game of hockey has really sort of transitioned to be that offensive minded, right? So, you're not, so when you talk about some of these shut down defensemen that went on to other schools, right? You know, it's not that they're bad players, but Ohio State just isn't looking for that. That's not what fits their mold right now. And maybe that is something that with this team, you know, as we saw with their goals against by period and, and certainly the shot differential, right? It seems to be working really well for them. So for those who say, "Okay, well, do they rely on goaltending?" Maybe partially, right? Because again, do, you know, we talk about goaltending stats and how they're really a reflection of the uh, the team in front of them. Um, you can be, but one thing that this Ohio State group does really sort of, shall we say, advertise for them is, sure, you can score all the goals and the assists that you want on the offensive side. I don't care if you do that, if you're not going to play good, solid positional hockey in your own zone. And we see that with their team numbers, right? So uh, you can, shall we say, not have the... I mean, look at the golfers, right, with Justin Close on the men's side, right? You don't have to have the most skilled goaltender behind you. I'm not taking anything away from Justin Close. But you can certainly make things a lot easier defensively. And with that speed and skill, you create a turnover and you can transition the puck well and rapidly. Um, yeah, good night, Jim Kite, right? It's just, it becomes a very tall task for your opponent when you're able to just counter punch and counter punch and control the pace of play in every single zone on the ice. So um, there really isn't a weak spot for this squad, right? And it really only becomes to what we discussed earlier. And that is, say you have that one off night that just you're not getting the bounces, or maybe the goaltender has your number, right? That's where maybe the, shall we say, the hole in the proverbial armor is. You know, it's interesting, Nick, by the way. Um, the
0: Ohio State website just started working again moments ago. You don't say. How does that sound? Um oh, that by for the, timing? Yeah, uh, very much so. So Quinn Koontz, by the way, in um, that will be returning for her graduate season. Kayla Barnes on the back end. So if you have your stat sheet up, Nick, obviously Could a you- lot of... Obviously, a lot of notables. Kelsey King, like we talked about, transferring over. Jennifer Gardner, um, Kenzie Halsworth, um, Hannah Bilka, which we talked about. She's a transfer. Stephanie Markowski, Amanda Thiel, um, Kira Zanin, um, Lauren Bernard, Olivia Mobley, Riley Brangman, um, and Julia Bugliani, Michaela Webster, Haley, H- excuse me, Hadley Hurtment, um, and Regan Kirk, all rounding out the seniors and graduate players, respectively. Other than that, Nick, no juniors on this roster, by the way. Um, so other things to kind of look forward to. Like I said, there could be more additions as we go. Um, yeah. But again, things to kind of uh, keep in mind here. One of the things that I think, you know, when you talk about Ohio State too, when you lose a lot of that scoring punch as well too, and you're trying to supplement it, sometimes you've got to kind of, if you've ever seen the movie Casino Royale, which is a fantastic oh, movie, you got to be all in at some point. Like Ohio State recognizes that, their potential deficiency might be a little bit defensively might be defensive responsibility. They know they've had adequate or above adequate goaltending. They realize that they can be comfortable being in a track meet. And I think that that reflects, uh, you know, what Nadine Museral brings to the table. Um, Peter Lander, by the way, is the associate head coach, by the way, um, over 20 years of coaching experience um, and was added last season. So um, was originally with ohio state uh during 2017 2018 is when he was here um winter olympic participant in beijing back in 2022 um was at the women's hockey program at the university of north dakota prior to her initial entry for ohio state so um his initial entry i should say this ohio state team has a chance here now as we've talked about how will these transfers and these freshmen assimilate? That's always the question. It's a big question mark, for example, for the Golden Gophers. Wisconsin has dipped quite a bit in the transfer portal too. Ohio State, no exception. I mean, in your mind, as you look at this list, Nick, what's going to keep them at number one as far as those transfers and freshmen getting up to speed here?
1: It's going to be, honestly, and, you, know, you talk about assimilation. I think what helps is, you know, the Boston College, good program, right? I know we can talk about the strength of the conference, but that's a well-coached program. Uh, Kelsey King is no, you know, shall we say, stranger to the WCHA, right? But the one thing that Ohio State and shall we say teams like Wisconsin and even the Gophers have done, when they have dipped into the transfer portal, when they get freshmen in, They're the right fits. And so their assimilation isn't as, shall we say, high as a mountain as maybe other squads that, you know, might have as big of a number turnover as we see. Uh, And this Ohio State team has got great senior leadership. Uh, So you're not going to be putting, shall we say, freshmen in situations where they won't succeed, right? So even if you have these transfers coming in, They're the, you know, again, I I feel like, you know, Ohio State has the ability to kind of be a little bit picky in the situation. And I feel like it's going to be a seamless fit. So I really don't see a challenge with this, really. The challenge that I see is more of, you know, can they replicate those kind of numbers from last year, right? We talked about the numbers earlier. Those are borderline you know, almost, shall we say, unsustainable type numbers, right? we talk about the shot selection and, you know, the shot numbers, the goals for versus goals against, right? Um, And they know that they have maybe some work to do on special teams a little bit, especially on the PK and, and, you know, power play. If you can go back-to-back seasons over 33 some odd percent, that's just nasty. But um, it really comes down to, okay, well, you know, can we win the time comes right? Because again, I think this team knows regular season is not where they're going to judge themselves one, but also be judged. It's how can we as a team adjust and do things and win games, maybe in a different way that will get us to the ultimate prize, which is a national championship. I think that's really the next step for them. And that's why you have so many senior leaders here. That's why you have maybe a bit, a bit of a different mix, Um, but you're also trying to, Extent, uh, essentially accentuate your greatest skill set, which is your offense. So I, I don't know. I don't see it as you know this big turnover for them, just because again they're well coached and the teams mates they have coming in are are, are again they're no stranger to college hockey for the most part. Um, I, I feel like it's going to be a little bit of uh, a learning game for the team itself like anybody else in the first couple weeks, but come WCHA time the team is going to be a train not just a wagon, but a train that's going to be almost unstoppable.
0: Yeah, and they've got great goaltending to boot and I think that that's always a a piece that is a welcome addition for them. Uh, They start their season with only two games before they get to the WCHA and they'll be on ESPN Plus actually the weekend after uh, that they get ready uh, after St. Cloud starts their opening exhibition against Union September 29th and 30th, they play Colgate. And if you remember, uh, like we all do, Colgate, of course, made it to the NCAA quarterfinals, lost four to two to Wisconsin last season. So, That'll be a marquee matchup. That one's going to take place at Colgate, Hamilton, New York. Uh, Again, the 29th and 30th. Then they get right into it with the WCHA matchups. They travel to Duluth. Um, They have a week off and then travel the 13th and 14th of October uh, to face the Bulldogs. Very curious to see how that matchup shakes out. We'll get a good litmus test as to where both these teams are going to be at here. Um, Duluth, again, is has an interesting schedule where they are going to be a great marker for both St. Cloud State and those top three teams. They bridge that gap and kind of let us know where we're at here. Uh, And then the following weekend, they travel to St. Thomas. So they start with four on the road uh, before hosting the Golden Gophers at the end of October uh, for spooky season, as the kids say. Um, And then we go to November where they travel to Bemidji State, have a week off, and then host both Wisconsin, November 17th and 18th, and then St. Lawrence over the holidays at home, the 24th and 25th. And then they continue their what will be an eight-game homestand. Games five and six are against some team, I don't know, called St. Cloud State, uh, December 1st. That's
1: uh, girls, I don't know.
0: Yeah, I don't know. Some team from the Granite City. I'm not really sure. Although I'm trying to figure out how this is supposed to shake out because they have both games listed on December 1st, which would be very odd to me. The second one is at five o'clock at night. So I would be uh, most confused if they played a, a double header on that uh, yeah. Friday. But yeah. I don't know. Um I suppose we could probably pull up the St. Cloud women's website and see how that tracks. But nonetheless, uh, they finish off the first half of the regular season. Ohio State does at home against Mankato. So, Nick, uh, to recap quickly, Duluth, St. Thomas, Minnesota, Bemidji, Wisconsin, uh, non-conference against St. Lawrence, and then St. Cloud and Mankato. What do you think about that schedule for the Buckeyes uh, after they open up their exhibition games against Colgate?
1: You know, again, like you mentioned, there's an early litmus test again against uh, Duluth, which we talked about could be, shall we see a team on the rise. They have been a team on the rise, so it could be a good little test to see where teams are at, right? Um, then, then Ohio State, you know, Saint Thomas, they should handle them and then you get right to the golfers, right? So it's kind of this on and off, you know, difficulty and again not taking it away from Bemidji or Saint Thomas. Uh, but Essentially, it's going to you know, it's going to test their emotional well-being right a little bit because, you know, one thing good teams do. And we saw this with this team last year is that you don't write the schedule, but you have to approach every opponent as if they're Wisconsin. Right. you got to take them seriously. Um, I don't expect Ohio State to do anything less than that. Uh, But you do kind of wonder, you know, especially with an eight game home stand that you eventually are usually pay for it the second half Uh, can they take advantage of a home schedule as you said they only lost one game at home during the regular season all year last year so um, I expect them to be in good shape after that first half and uh, can be rolling as uh, we head into uh, the post-holiday schedule here in 2024
0: yeah friendly reminder by the way so it is December 1st and 2nd Friday Saturday like we anticipated the game on that Saturday the second for the Huskies and Ohio State will be at 2 o'clock Central Friday night's matchup is at 5 o'clock Central, like it was noted. Um, Like you said, second half of the season, they uh, start off with a bang here. January 12th and 13th, they go to Ritter Arena to face Minnesota right out of the gate. Good matchup as the Gophers host there. And then they host, back in Ohio State, Minnesota Duluth, that following weekend. Weekend after that, they travel back to Minnesota. It's a bit of a Minnesota flip-flop, so to speak, for them. Uh, they play the Huskies for the second time on that weekend, January 26th and 27th. Although again, the WCHA website has them both on the same day. So again, I'm gonna go with probably not. Uh <laughs> yeah, definitely not. Uh February 2nd and 3rd, they host Bemidji State at home and then travel, huh? Back to Minnesota again, Mankato, the 9th and 10th of February. And then they host a Minnesota team in St. Thomas at home and then finish on the road one state closer to home against Wisconsin before getting ready for uh, a heck of a regular season finale, huh? Yeah, definitely could be a marquee matchup a couple weeks after that in terms of playoff time. So. Nick, uh, second half of the schedule here, getting ready into tournament time. I mean, what do the Buckeyes anticipate? I mean, that, like you said, that Wisconsin matchup is going to be good, but certainly some really tough bookends with Minnesota, Duluth, and Wisconsin on the ends of
1: those. And how about that travel back and forth and back and yeah. forth? yeah? You know, that's people forget too sometimes that, for as an athlete and as a organization, right? That I mean, yeah, it's your same airport, you're probably going to get sick of MSP after probably a couple of weeks. But that's a lot of traveling uh, back and forth. Um, Yeah. But it's not as road heavy as I thought it was going to be considering the eight-game homestand in the first half. But you do wonder, you know, over time, does that maybe get a little bit lethargic for the players, right? Um, As we know that as we head deeper into the hockey season, uh, things get a little bit tougher. Things get a little bit, shall we say, the energy maybe isn't quite always there. But uh, again, uh, Ohio State showed this last year. Uh, they had a 10-game winning streak in the second half. Uh, they had a couple of blips here and there, and I don't expect really anything different. Um, again, there's some tough tests here with the golfers in St. Cloud. Um, I, I don't believe, um, as I look through this again, I'm, I'm thinking out loud here. Uh, no, they do. Yeah. Again, the golfers and the Bulldogs to start off the second half. Yeah. Uh, if, if you're the Buckeyes, you wouldn't want it any different really, right? Because you get about three to four weeks off in between uh, the first and second halves of the schedule. Uh, and it's a good way to just get you right back into it, right? You would hope that the holiday break isn't that long. But again, that's college hockey for you. And uh, it'll be good to get them back in the saddle against two tough opponents uh, right out of the gate, I think. Again, for Buckeyes fans and for the players, uh, that would be more preferred than, say, maybe a, a different opponent in the WCHA.
0: You know, Nick, uh, you're a Saint Cloud hockey fan. Um, you oh. know, and, and you're anticipating a first half and a second half matchup uh, against these Ohio State Buckeyes. Um, you know, if you were uh, looking for the latest news and photos of your favorite Huskies, uh, any idea where you might head? By the way, CenterIceView Yeah, it'd be great. Maybe some Huskies Illustrated. And you know, Nick, if you're feeling frisky. You know, as we move into the winter months, uh, if you want to stay wild and up to date with all things in the state of hockey, uh, you should also check out the Soda Pod, our great sponsor of the Huskies Warming House podcast. Back to the St. Cloud side of things, though, and the women's program, they face Ohio State four times. It is on two separate days for each of those weekends. Don't let the WCHA lie to you. How do the Huskies handle the gauntlet that is uh, the former number one team in the WCHA last season?
1: Got to find a way to slow them down. Right. And uh, you know, it seems like a broken record. It's, it's no different than handling the Gophers or Wisconsin, right? You got to figure out how to slow them down, especially out of their own zone. You really do have to protect the middle of the ice when they're on the forecheck and you got to figure out a way to develop and sustain your own forecheck, right? Um, These teams thrive off of turnovers from the opposing forwards and then a quick transition up. Um, They're a quick strike team. Again, these Ohio State can skate. They, they're one of the yeah. best skating teams in the country, if not the best skating team in the country. Um, again, they throw a lot of pucks on that. So it's can you keep them to the perimeter? Can you keep them into the lower, shall we say, you know, uh, danger areas? And then more so, pucks do come through. Can your goaltender swallow up and not give up a rebound. And more so if there is a rebound, can you get it out of that danger area to the sides and maybe get a clear, uh, just take what you're given. Right. But I do think it's going to come down to the areas in front of both nets, right. Can St. Cloud, maybe create a, create a little chaos in front of the Ohio state net minders. And, um, if you can, maybe by yourself, maybe sometimes in the extra session, right? We talked about the PK, not the worst, not the best, but it seems like if you can keep things close again, if you are within a goal after the first 20, you got yourself a chance against this squad. So to me, it's, it's, it's almost like you have to come out throwing punches against the squad in the first 20, the counter to that. uh, No one, I want to get your thoughts on this is that you can almost run around a little bit too wild and maybe tie yourself out. But I do feel like with some of these teams, you know, you can, Intelligently, you know, sort of put some pressure on these without, shall we say, draining the gas tank too early in the first 20 minutes. That to me is the key. I'm curious to your thoughts on how you can take down a very dangerous Buckeye squad.
0: Totally got to be willing to filter pucks in front of the net and solve a net minder. There's no doubt about that. Create some chaos, but really I think where the game is won and loss is the transitional play in the neutral zone against these teams. I mean, you have to be willing to limit the offense against at the point of attack, meaning right at the entry into your own defensive blue line. You have to find a way to keep them Meaning Ohio state, to the perimeter, to the outside, and not letting them essentially get a free ride into the zone and set up shop. You have to make every puck contested coming across your blue line. If you let this team set up shop, Then you get to a point where when you're in your own defensive zone, if you start running around, you're in trouble. You also have to be willing to defend from the middle outward. You have to be willing to protect the house and let the perimeter play be what it's going to be. As soon as you open up a lane in the middle of the ISIS, Ohio state team is going to make you pay. um, And they're not going to look back. So, and then obviously on the other side this is a team again a high-end team you have to be opportunistic with you have to be selective uh in your rushes creating depth and making sure that one you're alleviating pressure in your own defensive zone but then once you're on the attack uh being willing to hang onto the puck keep possession create opportunities cycle plays if you have to if you have to chip and chase it is what it is but i'd say being willing to threaten the middle of the ice on the offensive side and like i said take opportunities, take what the game gives you. And then if you can create second and third chance opportunities, maybe get a cycle going, maybe get a four check going, pop a couple. I mean, they showed success against this Buckeyes team last season. Now you just need more sustain, sustained success if you're St. Cloud State getting ready on the women's side.
1: Yeah. And I think, you know, when you talk about transitional game, it's all in the backchecking, checking forwards, right? If you can allow your D to step up at your own blue line and force them to give up the puck. Right. And you've got forwards that are coming back hard through the middle lanes and then, uh, essentially pick up a loose puck and then transitioning back that way that's huge right i know that brian idolsky will have that pegged as far as um, a major contributor to being successful defensively especially again through the middle of the ice and uh you know it's going to be like you said a track meet uh, with the squad because of how quickly they can get up and down the ice and as you mentioned if you got the puck on your stick try to threaten the middle but also when you're coming through the blue line Uh, on the rush coming back through layers, right? Make sure you have that middle drive, someone coming through, and that's where you can activate your defenseman too, right? One thing with Brian Idolsky's system that I want to see a little bit more this year, and we started to see it towards the end of last year, is the defenseman joining the rush. Not be afraid to take a chance that way. Now, you got to do it. You got to pick your right spots. You got to know when the right time is. But if you can maybe cause an odd man rush and a turnover, don't be afraid to go up there and have your forwards push the defenseman back Open up, or maybe even like you said, take away the goaltender's t- vision. Yeah. And you come right down Broadway as a defender, as long as you got one person back, go ahead and take that chance, right? I think that's one of the areas that St. Claude can improve on. I think they do have the personnel to do it. We'll touch on that more as we preview them, that that would be another great way to turn defense into offense under Idelski system and try to take down a very formidable opponent in the Buckeyes.
0: Yeah. Fight fire with fire and a great template and a program to look at is Ohio state. Great defensive activation in recent years and some really high scoring defensemen and high scoring defensive freshmen and transfers that they're bringing in as well too. I I shouldn't say transfers because they're all forwards, but I mean, nonetheless, I, I mean, excuse me, the transfers are defensemen, the freshmen are forwards. But nonetheless, um, easy for everybody to track there, quite obviously. Um, Another team that is a high-flying offensive team with some good defensive activation is the DU Pioneers. They will be our next preview coming up next week, Nick. And then if you're a Huskies fan, the moments you've been waiting for, the following two weeks will be our final previews as we wrap up the preview to hockey season as it's already kind of started for these programs here, the women's team and then the men's side. We're excited to bring you uh that covers as we continue on the Huskies Warming House podcast. For Nick Maxon, I'm Noah Grant, and we will see you soon in the den.
1: And fires and she scores. Dana sent for the Huskies. A long in for a chance to win it. He scores! Kirill, the thrill is for real. Welcome to the NHL, a game winner.
0: St. Cloud Cathedral is now 42.6 seconds away from wrapping up the school's first ever title.